Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Analytics Show, the podcast that helps you get better at marketing analytics. This podcast is brought to you by Supermetrics. Over half a million marketers use Supermetrics to move data from popular marketing platforms such as Facebook, Google Analytics, and HubSpot to their favorite analytics, reporting, and data warehouse tools, including Google Sheets, Excel, Google Data Studio, Google BigQuery, and more. Give Supermetrics a spin and start your 14-day free trial at supermetrics.com. I'm your host, Anna Shutko, and today our guest star is Chris Mercer, a creator of MeasurementMarketing.io and a co-host of Measure Summit. In this episode, you'll learn what marketers and analysts should be aware of regarding their measurement as they will no longer be able to rely on third-party data, what the measurement framework is all about and what steps it consists of, as well as how marketers could increase the ROI of their campaigns. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure being here. I'm very, very happy to host you. It's an honor. And today we're going to be talking about a very, very interesting topic for our marketing friends out there, which is the measurement framework. And I really love frameworks. They help summarize principles and tactics and different kind of ideas very, very efficiently. So my first question to you, Chris, is what should marketers and analysts be aware of regarding their measurement as they will no longer be able to rely on third-party data as much as they possibly used to? As once as they once did. Yes, that's yeah. so true. <laughs> yes. so, the world is changing very rapidly in our, exactly. in our little neck of the woods. So I think it is really easy to overcomplicate a lot of this in our, in our industry because these tools, let's face it, are complicated, right? There's a lot of moving bells and switches and dials. And once you figure out one tool, you got to figure out how to get it to talk to another tool. And so you have a nice clean set of data and you know it becomes garbage in, garbage out. And it gets really confusing very quickly. And a lot of reasons that that happens what we've seen is because too many people are focused on the tool themselves and not enough on the strategy, which is which is where for us frameworks and mindset come in. They don't really have a clear, or most people don't have a clear mindset and a framework about how they want to actually use these tools. And so they jump to the tool and they start splashing around with it not really being connected into their overall ecosystem when it comes to digital measurement. So what I mean by that, especially the mindset thing first, is let's say you and I, you know, had a let's say I had a shoe store and you walk into my shoe store. And I say, hey, well, hey, how you doing? What can I help you find? You're like, well, I'm looking for sneakers. And I'm like, okay, what kind of sneakers do you want? And I would be moving you as we have this conversation. I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm responding. I'm changing what I'm going to say to keep the conversation going in ultimately the direction of a transaction, hopefully, right? Where you buy some shoes, take them home, and maybe get on our email list for promotions, something like that. This happens offline normally. And, and everyone kind of goes, yeah, it's how offline works. But digitally, I think marketers by and large forgot that. They actually forgot that the website is now having a conversation with the users and marketers have got to understand what that website is saying. In other words, it's gotta be able to measure the quality of the conversation between the particular page or stage that the user's on and the user themselves to make sure that the website is having the conversation we want it to have, right? Just like if I had a shoe store and there was a salesperson and said, hey, I'm looking for sneakers. And they're like, we don't have sneakers, could you leave? That would be a bad salesperson. I would have a corrective conversation with that salesperson. I'd help them understand and sell better, right? It's the same thing that happens digitally. We can see if an offer page is doing its job or if the nurture pages are doing their job and we can measure for these various stages. So one is just understanding and remembering, I guess, more than anything, 
that there is a very real conversation that's happening between the users and your brand. And the website is where that conversation is happening, which is why it's so important to measure. And when you're measuring, the more that you understand measurement and the better that you understand how to use all of these tools, the better able you are to listen, quote unquote, to their side of the conversation so that you can get a better understanding of what's actually happening. Right. So, for example, one way of measuring would be seeing page views, and that's an important behavior. A better way of measuring would be page views, scroll, time, maybe uh, seeing a certain part of the page available for a few seconds to see if they're actually investigating that part of the page. You can measure for those things. And if we know that those things are happening, we know the page is doing its job. And if those things are not happening, we know we have to go back to design or maybe copy and adjust the page to get it do, to do a better job when it comes to sales. So that's kind of the mindset of this is that there's a conversation going on between the users and the website. As measurement marketers, it's our job to be able to improve our measurement skills so that we are not ignoring our customers practically and we can listen to them see what's going on in their side of the conversation and then change and alter the marketing which is how we adjust our side of the conversation right through target audiences and offers and you know headlines and everything else that marketing teams do so that's sort of the mindset um, of this is that there is a conversation going on it's our job to listen to that conversation then it goes into the next step which is okay well how do we do that and that's the framework so for us, it's, it is three simple steps. I think all good frameworks are simple. They should be. But it's the nuance of how you execute on that framework that's important. So for us, three simple steps is you've got to plan out your measurement. You have to then build out that measurement system. And then, of course, you launch it, right? Actually use it to get results from it. And the trick to that, the secret sauce, isn't just plan, build, and launch. It's how you actually do that. So uh, if you want, I can go into the, the planning stage and we can kind of tackle that or happy to address any other questions you have. I don't want to keep talking when, you know, I can go for 30 minutes if you let me. So <laughs> that I could easily listen to for 30 minutes. So there is no conflict there. And fantastic. You've touched on a lot of really, really good points. I really love the garbage in, garbage out. I do subscribe to this. And I think it's very important to focus not only on the strategy, but also on clean data, what data you're getting in, what data you're getting out, and how you make these decisions. Because the way your data is structured will affect the way you're going to make the decisions. However, let's indeed talk about the measurement framework. So um, during the plan stage, uh, mm -hmm. marketers should ask the right questions. And uh, I would like you to tell me more about this. How can the analysts, how can uh, performance marketers, how can all the different marketers out there ask these questions correctly to, first of all, understand what kind of content they should put out there, what kind of messaging they should structure to keep this conversation going, like you mentioned, and how can they ask the right questions to make sure they're getting the right data to support their further decision-making? That is a great question. So let's talk about that. The planning stage really is where all of that happens, right? Um, there's a lot of people who just are unsure of the questions they're asking. There's a lot of confusion. Are they asking the right questions? What do we even do with this information? If we do have it, what, what actions are we going to take with it? There's a lot of confusion around plans. And I think plans are the thing that gets skipped the most, even if people don't necessarily think they did that, they kind of did. Um, and I think there's a very specific method of planning. Again, high level, very general, but super useful when you take advantage of it. So the planning step, there's really three keys to that. The first, as we talked about before, questions, right? You got to make sure you're asking questions, certain types of questions, which we'll talk about in a second. The second key to after you get your questions listed, and I kind of think these are like three columns, right? So first column is all the questions I want to know. Second column is what information will I need to collect in order to get answers to those questions. And then the third column, this is the key that everybody misses, but it solves so many problems in organization, which is the actions step. 
So this is, remember, this is in your planning stage. It's before you open up that spreadsheet, before you open up that data studio Tableau report, before you open up Google Analytics or anything like that, you're thinking ahead on the planning and saying, okay, as an example of a question, it might be, you know, what's my opt-in rate? Simple, right? What's the opt-in rate for our leads? The information I need to collect. Well, I need to collect the number of people who see the opt-in offer and the number of people who actually saw the thank you page. Now I can figure out my opt-in, right? Well, what actions am I going to actually take when it comes to this? Well, if it's less than 30%, I'm going to do this. If it's between 35 and 40%, I'm going to do the X, you know, or Y, or whatever. And if it's higher than 50%, I'm going to do this other thing. And there's a method to this. There's a method to this role play that solves so many problems. So when you think about the actions, most, most people that if you, and you can tell if you have a problem with this in your organization is if you've ever given somebody a report where you know what the answer is there and they're emailing you asking for this answer. And you know, you just you think to yourself, if you just look at the thing I just sent you, it's right there in front of your face, right? But it's not for them. They can't tell that it's there. They can't read it the same way you can. The opposite is true. Whenever you're trying to create a report and you're like, you look at something like Google Analytics and you're like, I have no idea what any of this stuff means, right? I, th I know there's a story there. If I just understood it well enough, I would magically be able to decipher it like the matrix and it's going to make me a super marketer. But that's also equally untrue. So when you do this planning stage, right, we're going back to this Kia process, question, information, action. Questions, we ask results and how questions, right? So results questions are th very easy, what everyone probably is already asking. Things like, what was our sales? How many did we sell? How many leads did we get? Very result of a customer journey style questions, right? The more important questions are the how questions, because I have to understand how I'm doing that so I can replicate what's working and start getting rid of stuff that's not, right? Start deprecating what's not working. So you, have to, you ask results questions, you ask how questions. Then we go to actually set up the information side. That's where you collect and you're thinking about the behaviors. What behaviors on the site are happening that will answer those questions? So again, using our example of the lead, it was something simple like a page view when they see the lead and a, and a page view when they see the thank you page. Now I know a lead occurred, right? Keep it very high level. Then there's that action step. And remember, the actions is like a role play. And we kind of, our secret sauce that's kind of like, if this, then that is how you think about it. So if the, no, if the number right, is a lower than an expected range, I'm going to do this one thing. If the number is higher, or let's say it's tremendously higher than the range I want, it's, I'm going to do this other thing. And if the number's just right in that sort of sweet spot, then I'm going to do this other thing. Right? So now I've role played what actions I'm going to do based upon the numbers that I'm about to see. Now, if I'm doing reporting in an organization, I am role playing that with the stakeholder who asked me for that report, if it's at all possible. Because a lot of times I'm going to say things like, well, what would you do? And they say, well, if the lead, if, if the opt-ins are coming in at less than 35%, I'm going to want to break it down by traffic source. And I go, ah, you didn't tell me you want a traffic source, but now I understand how you're going to use this information. So some of the information I'm going to have to collect is going to be traffic source now too. So now I'm going to add that to my list. And I would take that upon myself because I now understand how they are going to use this report that ultimately I'm going to generate for them, right? As, as a person on the data side. And they, it's highly unlikely, they're going to get the report and not be able to take an action because I'm going to whiteboard out with them. I'm going to say, I might draw it on the back of a napkin, right? Or a, a whiteboard and say, hey, if the dashboard looked like this, if this number was right here, would that work for you? What else would you want to do? And I sort of just role play it with them so that when they finally do get this dashboard, you know, and they, they see it, all the numbers are where they thought they were going to be. They understand how to quote unquote drive the car, so to speak. So I'm not hearing questions like, I can't find the opt-in rate or what to do with it. They already know where the opt-in rate is. They already know what to do with it because we followed the plan. So I'm making sure it has the right information because we have a solid plan. They're making sure that when they get the report, they're actually using the report for the actions they intended to actually take at the planning stage. So that's the planning stage kind of in a nutshell and why it's so important in organizations. 
Fantastic. And I really, really love your point about role playing with different stakeholders. I definitely do think communication is important. And I'm going to ask you a couple of more questions regarding this. But let's talk about the next stage. So the build stage, uh, you mentioned that super uh, storytelling is super important. So how can marketers tell a story with the results of their campaign? And also, like said, you know, you build a report for a particular stakeholder, they know where to find the opt-in rate or any other metrics that they want. But yeah. as you know, reporting is way more complicated than that. There can be a variety of different reports. And you know, as it often happens at Supermetrics, even we often read each other's reports. So for example, mm -hmm. there are quite many times when marketers go in and then they start reading sales reports. Or then if, for example, you're running an e-commerce business, then you might want to read something about the product and, you know, stock and all the data related to this coming from your CRM system, for example. So how can marketer craft this story using all these different data pieces, not necessarily just marketing, maybe data coming from all the other departments, and how can they communicate this story to a variety of different stakeholders effectively? And well, I guess, how can your framework support this? Great question. So let's talk about that build step, right? So the plan, remember the planning step is Kia. It's questions, information, actions, and you role play all that ahead of time. Now you've got your plan in place. Then you move to your build. The build again has three keys to it. The first is whatever platform you're using. Uh, most people are using, you know, Adobe or, or Google Analytics right now, but whatever platform you're using, it has to understand what results you're trying to achieve. So in the universal analytics days, I was setting goals and something like GA4, it's now conversion events, right? But it has to understand what milestones you're trying to achieve. Those are the results. And you define that a certain way. So for us, we use this uh, model called the ACE model, which is we don't just measure for the end result, right? We measure for to understand the process that's delivering that result. So in our case, A stands for awareness. So we'll measure what, when they are aware of the journey that we want them to be aware of. We measure for when they've completed that journey and we measure for engagement steps along the way, sometimes one, sometimes multiple, depending upon how long the journey is. And that way, as we're measuring for those results, we obviously know how many we sold or how many leads or whatever the journey was supposed to uh, produce as an end result. We understand how it's working or what it results it's producing. But because we're measuring for awareness and engagement as well, remember A is awareness, C is completion, E is engagement. We're measuring for all these stages. We definitely know where the drop off, off if, or drop off is if there is one right, coming through. So now we understand how we are getting the results or how we are not getting the results that we're trying to get. So that's the first thing is you make sure that your platform is measuring for the results. The second thing equally as important is traffic. It's got to understand where the traffic is coming from and what that traffic is trying to do. And this is a big mistake, I think, in the um, analytics world, data world in general, is the first step is you learn there's a thing called UTMs. And then the second thing is everybody misuses UTMs, in, in my uh, humble opinion but it's because they need to be structured to be properly unlocked. They have to be coordinated to work together. And too many companies use them separately. So they use UTM parameters to identify their email traffic. They use the vendor of Facebook who uses completely different UTMs to identify uh, Facebook, and it's not at all coordinated with the email traffic. And then there's the Google Ads person who's doing their completely separate UTMs. So what happens, you have these siloed traffic sources that are not at all designed to work together or to report a story of how they are working together. And then people ask Google Analytics, like, hey, uh, how are all these different traffic sources causing this result? And Analytics is going to shrug its shoulders and go, I have no clue because it's how the information went in. It goes back to what we talked about before, garbage in. That's an example of UTMs not being structured to work together and not being coordinated to work together to tell a story is going to be garbage in. It's going to be a much harder to see that story than it needs to be. 
So you you um, you make sure you coordinate those. A very simple way of doing that, very again high level because it's different for every organization. But a very high level might be uh, using the campaign. Make sure you're sharing campaigns. So for us, we have the Measure Marketing Academy, kind of our flagship uh, learning program for this stuff. So when I have the academy, if I'm doing this podcast, right, the podcast traffic has a UTM category of the for the campaign of academy. Now, if somebody signs up to become a free member and they get an email whose design is or whose uh, purpose is to sell the academy, its UTM campaign is campaign is going to be academy. And then if I have a paid, let's say a Facebook campaign or a Google Ads campaign, their UTMs will be UTM Academy, right? Where the campaign's going to be Academy. So all these different, distinctly different traffic sources, technically even different types of traffic coming in, some podcasts, some emails, some paid, some shared maybe, or social. All of those can coordinate under that word Academy. So now I can go to Google Analytics and say, pull up all my Academy traffic. In other words, the traffic that's designed to move somebody through the Academy journey, because that's kind of how we identify it or which journey it's there to help them for, and then show me which traffic sources are better at awareness for the academy. Now show me which ones are better at engaging in the academy journey. Now show me which ones are better at completing the academy customer journey. And you will find that traffic sources start to have little personality types. Like Facebook may not be really great at completing a sale. Maybe email is really good at completing a sale, but Facebook's incredible at awareness. And maybe Google Ads is really good at the retargeting for becoming a lead, and then email is what closes. Well, now I can start to understand how to uh, potentially combine these traffic sources together to get more from them because I understand how they're they're more likely to work, right, for our, our unique system. So that's just an example of kind of results and then traffic and then seeing that story, which is the third key, right? So first key is results under the build. Make sure that the ACE results are set up, awareness, completion, engagement, and then making sure that your UTMs, A, you're using them and B, that you've structured them so they are coordinated um, together. And so then you can go into that third key, which is story. And that's where you do have to learn your tool, um, but you make sure that you are able to tie the specific traffic source to the specific result that it was intended to get. So you can judge it, right? And say, okay, is it doing its job? This traffic source, I might have a Facebook ad whose sole purpose in life is to make somebody aware of the academy. And by that, we define that as maybe 10 seconds on that page. If you're 10 seconds on the page, that ad has done its job, good job, claim credit, you're off to the races. And then there's another ad that takes over whose job it is if they haven't purchased already, to get them to make, actually purchase. But the messaging changes because they are, it, it knows who it's talking to. So it's a different salesperson that kind of comes up to help close them, right? Um, and so we can measure for all that in that story side. And you can, whether you're using just Google Analytics reports out of the box, we use Data Studio a lot. So uh, we get those mostly through Data Studio, but it's telling a story of which traffic sources are, excuse me, are causing which results. And then we can do a little more deep dive. Like for us, we will measure a particular page to say uh, what we call the eyes on the journey. That's kind of a report that we teach. And it's where you measure how many people were, uh, had an impression of the page to begin with, like when the page loaded, how many were introduced. That means they're 10 seconds later. How many were interested, which is typically, depending upon how the page is built, uh, might be scroll plus time, like 50% on the page plus 45 seconds or something like that. Then did they investigate the offer? So if there's a pricing table, did they look at that pricing table for at least three or four seconds? And then did they initiate? Did they click to go to the next step, right? So we have these constant sort of X-ray reporting mechanisms that are set up where our marketing team, because as much as I'm a numbers guy, I do not want to stare at numbers all day long either. I have other things to do as the owner of the organization. So I've got to direct and, and change things. And one of those things is training the marketing team to get into data study reports so they can spend a minute or so and then get back out and get back to work, knowing what actions they're going to take because they've already planned out those actions in the planning stage. But they can see the story of, is this thing working like it's supposed to? Right. And then get back and change things if they, if they don't. One pro tip I can give any organization that's worked out very well for us. Um, is 
take a hire a design. Uh, if you have design resources, then, then get your designer to do it. But just the graphic designer, right? Or design team. We just had an agency to do it. Go through them, have them come up with brand guidelines for what your reports look like. That way they're a little more interchangeable between department. And if one department's coming in and look at somebody else's, sometimes they look radically different. So it might not affect every organization. But if your reports are dramatically different looking, it's going to be harder to share between, because I didn't understand my style, I may not understand your e-commerce style. But then when, if we're all sort of the same brand guidelines, the fonts, they're organized in a similar way. And I understand that these reports are all going to have, here's the question this is answering. Here's what it should be doing. Here's what actions we're going to take based upon these answers. Here's your answer. And now I know that's the format through every single report in this organization. It's pretty easy for me to figure out what's going on no matter where I am. Um, so that's a way to sort of unite everything so you do have a consistent story. And that's the second uh, step. So we've got plan with the questions, information, actions. Then your build, where you make sure the platform knows your results, knows your traffic, and is tying together those things in a way so you have a natural story that's starting to appear. That sounds amazing. I really, really loved your tips on uh, unified UTMs and thinking more in terms of journeys rather than maybe perhaps individual campaigns or individual reports or individual marketing messaging initiatives. And also great tip on the unified guidelines and unified design. I think this is something we should also try to implement more. We already have some sort of unified design, but it never hurts to maybe even document these things. To, That's what we did. To, yeah. We created a brand guidelines. Where we're like, hey, write exactly. down what are the fonts, how we do tabs, how we, what the size should be, never do this, always do that, right? You know, minimize pie charts, all the fun stuff. <laughs> Amazing. All right. And that brings us to the next, possibly the most exciting stage of the framework. And when, when I saw, when I saw the stage and when I saw what it consists of, I got personally very much excited because it's more about looking into the future forecasting mm -hmm. and optimization. So yep. Chris, could you please tell me what kind of forecasting techniques can be used to predict different possible outcome scenarios and how can your framework help marketers optimize the campaigns to increase the ROI? Absolutely. So let's talk about, so again, that third step is launch, right? So we have the planning stage, it's questions, informations, and actions. Then you do your build, you got your results measured, your traffic, and you're starting to see a story of which traffic causes which results. Then you launch and that's actually using your system. So the first step, the first key to that step, I should say, is listening. And if you think back to what we initially started in the beginning of this podcast, what are we listening for? We're listening for the conversation between the website and the users, right? Between that customer journey and the users in that customer journey. And is that customer journey having the conversation we want? Now, the way to listen, the secret sauce is trends and patterns, which a data people will be very familiar with, but a lot of marketers are not. A lot of people on the marketing side see a number like the operating rate should be 35, but it's not. Some days it's 35, some days it's 42, some days it's 17, right? There's trends and patterns and there's an old bell curve and everything else that all of us on the data side are very familiar with, but marketers typically aren't. And understanding trends and patterns is such a key uh, differentiator right now in today's world between who gets smacked around when the rules change, like when iOS and Apple had their uh, TIFF in early 2021, there's a lot of people who are not used to trends and patterns that could not figure out how to measure that stuff. They're like, oh, it's gone. We have to be accurate. We have to be truthful. And that's not at all true. Accuracy is nice, but it's it's not a thing. Not not really. Um, it's, but trends and patterns are, right? Trends and patterns are stable. So that's what you're listening for. So does this specific step have a, a specific trend that that is starting to appear, right? Once you have your trends and you see your basic information that's starting to appear and you're listening to that conversation, you at least have an understanding of about how the conversation is most likely going you can start to then forecast your near future. 
And that's the second key to this whole launching step, which is forecasting, right? To your point, it's the thing that most organizations, I think, skip because they have a maniacal um, focus on what happened to the money I spent last week. And I think that's good because it's important to know where you spent your money, right? However, the bigger focus in my head should be what's going to happen to the money I'm going to spend next week. Because if you can answer that from a measurement department, which is kind of why measurement marketing is this, the whole point is to be able to say, here's what's going to happen. And that's measurement done well, right? Most people think measurement is about what's working and what's not. And that's partially true. But the pinnacle of a really good measurement system, it will tell you what's coming next better than average chance, right? No guarantees, right? But it, but it is a better than average chance of here's what's coming down the pike. And the way that we forecast, we forecast for the activities. So there's different things you can forecast for, obviously, but we'll focus from a business building standpoint, from a revenue generating standpoint, we're focusing on the activities that need to happen from marketing in order to produce the results that let's say the finance team wants them to hit when it comes to getting a revenue goal coming in. So for example, we will measure uh, and, you, and you'll start to see a pattern here. We're never measuring just one thing. We're measuring stages of things, right? So whether it's results and how questions, where you understand the end result of the customer journey, but more importantly, you ask questions around, well, how did that actually happen? Whether it's with the goals when we measure for results and we use those ACE conversions. So we're measuring for the awareness of the journey, the completion of the journey, the engagement along the way. And in forecasting, we're forecasting that. So for us, we have what we call the um, transact model. And it's the idea is just that you're measuring for when they're aware of the, or when we're asking them, excuse me, when they're asking them to buy the product, right? So when they, we've, how many times did we ask them to do it? How many did they actually, how many of those, what percentage of those actually will consider to do that? And how many of those will actually transact, actually make that transaction happen and at what average value? Now with those four numbers, I can easily predict out what the revenue is going to be. If I feed a hundred people into the, that I ask a hundred people to buy, if this, if half of them consider, that means 50 people are going to the cart. If let's say 10% of those actually make it through the cart, then I'm going to have those five people buy. Let's say it's for a hundred dollars average ticket. Now I've got my $500 in revenue. So every hundred people I feed in the top, $500 in revenue spits out the bottom. Now I go to marketing or, or if I am marketing, I can sit there and say, okay, how do I get more people in the top? Or maybe I, I work on the efficiencies a little bit. How do I make the cart work a little harder so I don't have this 90% abandonment rate? You know, but I can see it so that because I can see it happening, because I can forecast and I'm using it, and this is the key to forecasting, is having that expectation and putting yourself out there and saying, here's what's going to happen and be 100% willing to be completely wrong almost all the time. But that's not the goal is not to be right. The goal is to have a forecast and say, here's how it should be working because it changes the power of the question in the organization. Most organizations are asking what happened and what we ask is, is this working like it's supposed to? Is this page doing its job? Is this funnel doing its job? Is this customer journey doing its job? Is the blog doing its job? Like one of the questions we get asked a lot uh, when we do training for especially larger corporations, we'll be in this room and somebody say, well, we're just trying to figure out how the blog is working. How are users using the blog? And my first question to them is, how are they supposed to use the blog? And that's the first time anyone's ever thought about that. And that's, that's with most organizations. You know, we're just trying to figure out people using the e-commerce site. Well, how are they supposed to use the e-commerce site? We're just figuring out how people are using the homepage. Well, how are they supposed to use the homepage? And that's the first time anyone's ever considered that. So forecast that, guess, right? And this is where, um, I know you're asking about method, but from my perspective, the, there's millions of methods and, and all of them equally plausible. The idea is to forecast, not get caught up in the exact method of how you are forecasting. For all I care, you can just guess, which is perfectly fine, especially in the beginning. You might need to, you might have the data to feed a model, right? So you just guess, you're like, well, it's always been between 100 and 150 for these last four weeks. Maybe it'll be another 150 next week. I don't know. Let's guess, put it in there. But the trick is you measure against it. 
And so you're, and that's where the optimization key is, right? So the first is listen to what's going on, trends and patterns, start to forecast based on your near results, what your near future is going to look like or what it should look like. And then you measure against that. So that's what will tell you where to focus your resources. So like in our case, we might see the Academy page maybe isn't getting enough investigate signals. It's getting lots of top traffic and that's working. They're sticking around, they're showing interest, but maybe they're not investigating. So in that case, the marketing team will look at that and say, well, how do we make the page demonstrate uh, more of a value, communicate more of its value because it's not doing that. Or it might be overcomplicating and, and it just won't shut up and get out of its own way sometimes. And it keeps telling people all the stuff that's in the Academy without just allowing them to buy if they're, if they're ready to do that. We can measure for those. We can see if it's working the way it's supposed to. And the second that it doesn't match our forecasts, we then focus our resources. We all have limited resources in the world. So we'll focus our resources to that specific spot that's more than likely to move the needle. And then we measure for a couple of days and we can see, okay, is that moving the needle? Does that mean it's a 100% perfect split test with, you know, we, we're fairly little traffic on our site. So we don't have that opportunity for AB split test. But if I was, if I had the opportunity, of course we'd AB split test. But meanwhile, I can still sequentially test and I can outmaneuver and improve the results day over day over day doing that. And we can see pretty quickly because we measure the way we forecast, we forecast all of these activities. And again, we're, we're a little more experienced with this. I wouldn't try this at home, but just to show you the possibility of what's possible, we forecast all of those activities by week, a year out. So we have 52 weeks of forecast. I can tell you where this company is going to be revenue wise at the end of December. And I can do that based on all the activities that marketing is going to do because marketing has a plan for how they're going to make all these activities happen. And they are constantly week over week measuring against their forecast to see if they're right. So it doesn't really matter what method they use to me as much as it matters, did you forecast and are you measuring against just what you thought was going to happen? Because mysteriously, the more that you do that, the better you get at it. And those guesses that were all over the road in the beginning start to get a lot finer tuned. The brain will naturally do this. And you'll be able to start to see and be like, you know what, next week, I think it'll be this. Or hey, next week, we're going to open up this new advertising campaign. The last time we did that, we saw a spike in organic. So let's assume that's going to happen again. And you can start to forecast that, you know? And then again, if, you, if you're measuring out a week ahead of time, it's real close to when the actual result happened, were you right? You know, I wouldn't try to forecast as much three months out uh, down the road from now, unless I'm measuring each week at a time. You know, I like, I like that. For me, it's, it's weekly. If I had a ton more traffic, I might go to daily uh, as an organization as we grew. But for us, weekly is perfectly fine. So that's sort of how we, we use the measurement system. So as we launch it, it's listening to the conversation, first step. So get our trends and patterns. We then start to forecast based on our recent results what the near future potentially should hold. So now we start asking, is this working like it's supposed to? Is our marketing working like it's supposed to now? And then we measure against that forecast. That's the final key, which is the optimization key. And that's the thing that everybody wants to race toward all the time. But if you don't know what to optimize or what's, what's the thing that's more likely to move the needle, how do you know what to optimize? Well, this particular framework causes that to happen as a result of just using the framework. You can't not know the specific part that is your needle mover. And then you focus your resources on that, come up with ideas, do your brainstorming, whatever it's necessary, go back to your planning process, making sure how are we going to measure it, what actions are we going to take, yada, yada, yada. And you just sort of rinse and repeat. And you go through the framework hundreds and thousands of times. And every time you go through it, you build just a little bit more measurement muscle. So if you weren't good at forecasting in the beginning, that's perfectly fine. The idea is that you'll get better at it the more that you use this framework. Amazing. I really love the link between forecast and optimization. It definitely sounds very, very healthy, especially if the organization doesn't have a lot of data volume or the data might not be very accurate in the beginning. So going from guessing and then fine tuning your predictions sounds great. And I really love how you've structured the steps, how you really outline the approach so that every single company can iterate with every single campaign. 
So great stuff out there. And now if the audience would love to learn more about you, I'm pretty sure they will. I'm going to the Academy's website straight away. Where can they find you and how can they get connected? Absolutely. So measurementmarketing.io is uh, the name of our organization. So you're more than welcome to go to that website. We do have a free, what we call a toolbox member um, uh, area, which is a free membership, just the name and an email is always required. There's a ton of tools. There's a dashboard toolkit. So you can see some of the stuff in action. There's a, a course back there that we give out to our toolbox members called the measurement marketing framework that actually goes through this framework at the various stages. Um, so if you're just beginning, here's how to use it. If you've got a little experience, here's how to use it. If you're very experienced, here's how you use it. Um, and so it teaches you all of that. And that is completely free. It's just kind of our way of helping to build the community and obviously introduce them to, to our products uh, if they want to go from there. But if you go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash marketing analytics. So again, measurementmarketing.io forward slash marketing analytics. It'll take you right to that page. Fantastic. Chris, thank you so much for coming in the show. Happy to be here and hopefully it was valuable. Thanks for having me. And that's the end of today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Before you go, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. If you'd like to kickstart your marketing analytics, check out the 14-day free trial at supermetrics.com. See you on the next episode of the Marketing Analytics Show.